okay, so I committed to play at XYZ school. I got it. I got it. So did a bunch of other people. Now what? Right? Now what? What are you going to do with it? You going to get better? You going to compete against the best? You going you going to position yourself so that some business wants to in, invest in you from an NIL deal? Are you going to continue to build your brand? Are you going to talk to people that want to that are doing that now and can give you insight to that? Like there's so many aspects to your game. If we get to the point where we just commit and say, then why what do I need to do that for? Good luck. Welcome to the Car Ride Home podcast. I'm I'm joined today by Scott Smith. Excited, Scott, to uh, have a have a car ride home and a simple conversation like you and I always do. But a little background on Scott, and I know we'll dive a lot into this. But national program director of the Bombers Fast Pitch organization, head coach of the Bombers 18U Gold, owner of Prospect Wire Softball, one of the founders of the Texas Fast Pitch League and the Alliance Fast Pitch, which I'm really um, we look forward to that that conversation. A veteran, 28 years in the in the U.S. Army, which which is awesome. We're going to dive into into that, and a softball dad, and a grandfather, pop pop, I think is correct, of three granddaughters. Did I did I get that right? That's it. You got the pop pop. All the rest of that stuff's that's cool and all, but the pop pop part might be the best. I think pop I think, pop yeah. is probably your your best title yeah. too. Don't worry, we will yes. we will hit on that because I think those granddaughters are going to play a special role in uh, in your future. But let's set the stage first. We're we're in the car ride home, so I like to start every episode with this. But first, what kind of music are we listening to, Scott? So if it was the car ride home with when me and Jade were riding all over the country with softball, it would have been her music because we fought over that all the time. Right. And from week to week, it changed, right. Just about the time I got hooked up on what I thought she was listening to, it changed. So it could have been a variety of things, man. It could have been, it could have been, you know, um, rap at any one time. It could have been, it could have been country. I, I was really having a hard time figuring her out. But for me in the car ride home today, it's Morgan Wallen or Cole Wetzel or something like that. You know where I come from here in central Texas. So I think I live in the utopia for Texas country music and those kind of things. So, but yeah, probably some Morgan Wallen, those kind of things. Texas country music. At some point, everybody needs to look that up. They will, they will thank yeah. us later. What, yes, they will. What about the Food is obviously important. I like that answer too. You gave um, what as as the dad and what you guys yeah. did, and then today as the coach. So where are we eating on the car ride home? Man, well, I was always really big on uh, on the car ride home. Doing the softball journey as the dad running around the country. I always tried to find some somewhere really cool. So, you know, your stomping grounds in College Station for sure. The chicken. We were going to stop at the chicken and have a hamburger there. I may or may not have drank it a cold beer. You know, you almost have to. I mean, it's one of those things. But I think it comes with the burger. For sure. And you know, when you spend a lot of time in College Station, you figure those places out. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was always indigenous to wherever we were at. You know, I, I love Mexican food. Um, yeah. So I wasn't real – I'm picky eater, but I have my lanes, and it's pretty easy to find those lanes. You know, red meat, hamburgers, steak. Mexican food. Any one of those, you could really pull it off. You know, I just realized, because you and I have now done some traveling, even like site visits and stuff, and I think you got mad at me because we were eating too much green stuff or healthy – I don't I do not do – where's my fried yeah. chicken? Like, give me give me that. Right. Like, you you, you tend to you, – you've got a, a couple lanes yourself. There has to be a craft 
there has to be craft beer. I already know this. Like when you come see me and I think about where we might go, there has to be craft beer. And it probably is smart of me to figure out a place you've never been. It's got to have a patio. You got to be outside, right? I like I'm checking all these boxes for you, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But nailed it. Middle of the day, you're pretty healthy. At the end of the day, we could, you know, we can get into some steaks and those kind of things. So I've got you, I've got you figured nailed out it, too. Nailed it. Hold on, hold on. We got to go back to you. Back to you here. So, <laughs> what about, uh, you know, the reason? One of the reasons I want to do the the car ride home is because it it's just synonymous with sports a lot, right? And we spend so much time in the car with our parents or, or with your daughter, uh, whether it's practice lessons, any of that. Can you remember when you think back to Jade, your your daughter, what were what's the most memorable car ride home with Jade that comes to mind? It was a long car ride home. Uh, it's when I really found out about her competitiveness. To be honest with you, um, we travel to Owensboro, Kentucky, and so Jade would have been about fourteen because we were playing sixteen under nationals, and that's back in the day when you played up. Everybody played up because of the early recruiting and everything else. And uh, it's a it was a really um, significant moment for the Bombers that that time frame because we we took a a, a team unofficial visit at Baylor, and I got told by. Uh, Glenn Moore at the time, man, you guys are really good, but I can't recruit any of your players. And that was shocking. It set me back. Like I was on cloud nine. And so, uh, and then he kind of brought me back to reality because we really weren't competing enough. And um, it was kind of interesting. But going back to the most significant car ride, that was a long car ride. Um, it was about a 15-hour ride home. And we we played really well. And... um. I thought my daughter liked softball. I thought, you know, when they're 13 or 14, I was really inexperienced as well as a coach at that point. Um, I thought she liked softball. I thought she was competitive. Um, and we lost. We were, you know, there was like 170 teams back then at the tournament. And we finished in like the top 15, right? Like we were, like I'm like walking out like with my chest puffed out. And she slung her bat bag against the truck. And it, and it, like scratched the truck like she was mad like through her bag and I remember like I was mad about her scratching the truck and we're arguing in the in the the, the car the truck car ride home I have 15 hours with her in the car right so so about an hour into that car ride it kind of dawned on me like whoa like my daughter's pissed off that we lost right and you know I it was, was interesting. I was happy about where we finished. She wasn't. And I knew then, right, like, whoa, this is this is important to her. And I always felt like it was important, but the moment was big. There was coach, coaches everywhere, really, probably for the first time for us, like where I remember having a BlackBerry at that tournament, and I was putting in my BlackBerry, like all the schools that were watching this, just so I could keep track. And it was like 60 or 70 college. Like that had never happened for us before. But that car ride home was important because we then, once we got down the road a couple hours, we started having a conversation about competitiveness and what it means and caring about winning and maybe hating to lose more than you want to win kind of thing. And I kind of realized that in her and I knew like, okay, there's some building blocks for me to start to have a conversation about how do we rein in this whole college recruiting thing, your competitiveness, how they play off of one another, all those things. So 
I think that was probably the the most important car ride home we had. We had some bad car ride homes too, like where I was a bad parent. Uh, I was trying to be coach, not parent, and I wasn't real good at that early on. And it, it I, I tell a story about it took me till her junior year in college, where she had to send me a a text message, and it I had to pull the car. I tell the story. I had to pull the car over because the car the the text message hit me. It's like a stake into my chest where she had asked me, why don't you just be my dad instead of trying to be my coach? And that was, uh, I'm disappointed in myself that it took me till uh, I was, she was a junior in college. Um, but that's a byproduct of maybe having some bad car ride homes with one another. We had some really good ones. And I think as a parent or a coach or anybody, you're going to have both of those. And, um, but the most significant one I think was when I learned like, she cares about this sport. All right, so let's figure out how to do this together and me manage, help her manage those emotions, et cetera. Well, I think it's such an important story too about switching between dad and coach or mom and coach. And now you know, you're somebody in your position with the with the Bombers organization that you actually get to mentor a lot of your coaches who several of them are dads or moms of kids they're coaching. You had to learn it the, the hard way or later on, but what is your advice to those coaches now of, how do you flip that switch? You know, how do you go from being coach to a parent? Yeah, I think, and I tell that story I just told a bunch to coaches. Really, I, I you know, you've been to our, our coaches training we have in the fall at our winter meetings and the stuff we do. And I try to share as many experiences, really, to be honest with you, uh, rather than like preach to people, hey, this is what you should do and you should do it this way and you shouldn't do that. I, I really try to like preach from experience. Um, and I just try to share those things with coaches that they have a really hard job. You know, like a lot of people ask me, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, we have a lot of paid coaches in our, in our program, especially our Academy where they're, they don't have a parent on the team. That's not by design. Like that's not a scenario where we say, Hey, you can't have a, a, a child on the team and be a coach in our program. Like people, sometimes they're anti like, Hey, he's a, he's a, you know, uh, um, daddy ball or, or mama ball or whatever that might look like that exists. That is real. I don't, I don't discard that in any way, but I think some of the most passionate and caring coaches are parents. And I always try to share with them, like, listen, man, those are, there's a lot of pitfalls involved when you do, but you have a lot of experience. And I, I would never hold against you that you're a parent and want to coach. I did it. Why would I, why would I say you can't, right? Like that's not a, um, but I think the challenges come in managing emotions sometimes. And I coach emotionally. You, you've seen that. Like I'm, I'm as fired up as they get. Um, but I try not to, to overplay my hand either way. Right. That's what I was, I did with Jay. And I think one of the best compliments I ever got was how many people didn't know she was my daughter. Right. Like they thought Katie Repley who coaches at South Carolina that played for me crash was my daughter. They thought, J.J. Smith. I had people text me when J.J. hit the home run in the World Series. Man, dude, your daughter's amazing. Like, that's not my daughter. Like, like people didn't know who my daughter was. And um, that, you know, I think that's a cool, cool example. And I tell people that, right? Like, if you can show up at the ballpark and people aren't singling you out one way or the other because of who your daughter is on the field, you're probably doing it right. Um, but that, But so many coaches sacrifice so much of their own self and so much of their own um, relationships with their, with their daughter for other people's kids. And I tell them that's a pitfall too. Like you got to be really careful in that. Absolutely. 
Well, I know when, when you and I talk a lot, or even when we're in meetings now, you bring up a lot of things from your, your military background and training. And I would imagine a lot goes into to your coaching there. Let's go back and, and get to know a young Scott Smith, I would imagine 17, 18. Can you go back to that decision of where you were in life uh, when you decided to, to go into the army and, and what went into that decision? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's not much. There's not, a, there's not, a, I was playing baseball and I was, you know, I was in the process of transitioning to college baseball and I got, got injured and was feeling sorry for myself and, and, you know, I was a good baseball player. I wasn't the best, you know, when you're five foot nine or five foot eight, I think I'm going to say five, nine, I'm probably closer to five, eight, but when you're that, I could run a little bit, but I wasn't good enough. You know, I wasn't good enough. And I had to, I had to, I was coming to grips with some things in my own life from that. And, um, I literally was driving back from Belton, Texas, down the highway, down I-35. And, and I was going through San Marcos, Texas. And I saw a sign that army be all you can be. That was their campaign. And I literally pulled off the the highway and pulled right into the recruiting office, went in and talked to them. And I knew what I, w I knew what I was scared of is I was scared of not being on a team. That's really what it was for me. I was scared of not being on a team. I didn't know what being an individual was going to mean to me. And so I scared myself into joining the military, to be honest with you. I literally walked in and said, listen, man, I want to be on the bet. I want to be on something that's a team. And then, well, you, they were like, you need to be in the infantry. And I'm like, sounds good. Do I get to blow stuff up and shoot guns and do that stuff? Absolutely. And so I literally took the, the ASVAB exam. I, they tell me it. And, and later on, I knew this. I, they were like, dude, you could have been anything. Like, you, like I take tests really well. Like, I crushed this test. And I was like, you could have done anything. You chose infantry. Like, and so, like, a week later, I was in the Army. Like, I put zero thought into it. It was the best decision I ever made in my life, to be honest with you. Um, and I was, I was off and running. And uh, military was incredible, incredible life for me. I was very fortunate. Um but uh, I got to spend time with some of the best leadership people ever. I went to some of the best leadership schools, and, and that's kind of what I find myself being involved in now is, is a form of leadership in some ways and different things I'm involved in. But um, I revert back to that, and, and it shaped who I was being part of that team. I tell people I was on the greatest team, of uh, you know, the most decorated, toughest team in the world. And I got to do it for 28 years. So it was good. It was fun. I was going to ask, you know, what, what are some of those things? Or maybe what's a, what's a hard moment that you had to go through that really shapes now what you do as a leader, whether it is leading young athletes, um, leading coaches, leading, you, you know, you've got different companies that you've started. What are some of those lessons that you've learned or maybe even a story from uh, that really taught you a lot? Yeah, I think I think the thing that affected me the most from a leadership perspective was I lost a soldier, and so one of the one of the things um, that is a byproduct in 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 the military and, and specifically, you know, for for me, I know about the army, um, but but the military in general. But you know, when you become a non commissioned, I was a non commissioned officer. Um, I retired as a first sergeant, but your first. Your first role in the leadership is when you become a sergeant, and I, I that happened to me for me pretty fast. So I was young, I really wasn't didn't really understand the leadership role. But when I got to be an E seven, 
um, which is a sergeant first class. I was in charge of probably 50 soldiers. And for the first time, I literally, when you have that many people under your care at that point, you know, it's knowing when all their birthdays are, knowing when all their, when their, where their, their wives' birthdays are, you know, dealing with the fact of uh, when you have that many people, there's life stuff happens. And so as a leader, you're trying to manage the, the stuff that goes with it. Yeah, you should be with your wife. She's having a baby. Yes, your mother passed away. Like all these different, hey, you got a DUI, like all these different things, right? Like, and, and you're managing that and you're responsible to somebody above you for all of those things. I thought I had a pretty good handle on it, and I had a soldier get killed on a mo motorcycle accident, in a motorcycle accident. And um, as a as a leader, you you know you try to manage that process. And I, I for the first time, I I saw how inadequate I was at it. Like I wasn't I wasn't bad. I just wasn't good enough. And and that struck me, and it and it and it hit me like a ton of bricks at the funeral. And I, I didn't have the words, right? I'd never heard a mother cry. I never heard sounds come out of a, 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 a human being like I heard come out of that young man's mother. And I didn't have the words for it. And I knew then I'd had to do a better job of managing, um, managing life and me having influence on people's lives and me being able to have conversations and being able to know in advance how to process all those things. And so that was probably the most shaping leadership moment for me was like, okay, you've been given this opportunity and this responsibility. You need to be better at this. And that has shaped who I am as a running the bombers. We can get a lot more lighter than that, but get, but getting into that, like that's how I run the bombers. And a lot of people think I would be real militant or real, you know, it's like real strict and, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just very standard based, right? Like this is our standard. This is where we're going to be. And, and I, I think people ask me a lot of times how the bombers have gotten where we've gotten. And it's, I'm just real steady, right? Like I think if you saw the bombers 10 years ago, what you see today is our colors, you know, what we do, like our brand has changed, but who we are and what we're about is very stable. And I try really hard to make sure that that's the case. And that was a big leadership moment for me was just realizing like there's so many outside influences you don't control. How you prepare yourself to manage those moments is, is going to be what's important. And I think that goes in softball or life or anything else. Absolutely. Well, that's a, I think that's a great segue too. And it, and maybe I'm a little bit more uh, familiar with the bombers, just one getting to know you, but also being from Texas and not to date myself. Uh, but the bombers weren't when I played there, there weren't bombers. So, and I'm so young that clearly the bombers are, are young, but can you go back? Because I think uh, there's probably a lot of people out there that, Hey, we, we got into this travel ball thing. I, I'm interested now and maybe starting my own organization and it's not easy, right? Those early days, what you see now, those early days can be tough. Can you go back to the origin story of the bombers and how how that progression actually happened like where where did it start where did the bombers start yeah no i i, I always try to re remind myself to make sure i give credit where credit is due i didn't start the bombers um i was just dead um i happened to have my daughter who could play a little bit and she got pulled into a, a team and they knew i had played a little bit and they they wanted some help and that's how i got involved in softball was like a if I, had, I tell people all the time, if I had my son Gunner first, who knows? Um, I probably wouldn't be involved in softball. Um, just 
nature of how things might have turned out. But fortunate for me, Jade was smart enough to come first. Um, so, but I got involved that way. And then there was a lady, her name is Connie Fight, and a, and a gentleman named Mike Reimer. And um, people ask me how the name Bombers even came. Mike, Mike, rest, you know, God rest his soul, he's, he's, he's passed on. But Mike was like, we're going to hit bombs. So we're going to call, be called Bombers. That's how the name, he tells me, he was telling me it all the time. And, um, and so they needed a coach. I got involved. And then all of a sudden, a couple years later, the lady who started it's daughter wasn't nearly as interested. And she's like, all right, I'm going to be out of this. So there was like two teams at the time. Um, you're in charge now. Okay. I don't know what in charge of two teams is, but okay, whatever. And I didn't think it was going to mount to much. And we just plugged away at it. We made, we had a bunch of bats, like our kids were not very good um, that we had, but we just grinded away at it and we got better. And it was, it's, I'm really proud of the fact that out of those 10 kids that we started that first bomber team, eight of them played division one college softball. And, um, and the other two became really cool moms. Um, and so in uh, the other eight are becoming moms as well. Um, but we, uh, we had, we had a bunch of softball players in that group, but, I think it just grew like that. And then how it became big, I don't even know. Like, I, I honestly don't, man. It's, it's a best analogy I could give would be like, hey, you own a thousand acres and you planted 10 of them and it just spread to the other, you know, the other part of the, 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 the property and it just grew. I, I, that's the only thing I know. I'm very fortunate. There's a gentleman named Bo Vinton that started in the very beginning with me. And really, there was nothing for Bo to manage. It was literally like, hey, you just do the softball stuff, and I'll make sure all the tournaments get paid for. And we and we pay for the uniforms. Okay, cool. And literally, he and I have been working together for, you know, over 20 years. And so now he just manages, it's 165 teams he's doing that for. And I'm responsible for, I guess, whatever we look like on the softball field. And we've just stayed in our lanes, and I'm very fortunate that I had the luxury of being being around him timing just really good timing i think you know and we worked hard at it and we i go back to what we said before we we stay really consistent uh, about what's important to us and what we uh we put on the field matters when it comes to how we the type of people that we're producing and i think if we keep that in in front forefront we'll probably be all right well and you already mentioned bo i was going to ask you because uh, a lot of it has been with building an organization it's just like anything right building a team around you and, and having a support and there are some key people with the bombers how did can you talk a little bit about the the people behind the scenes that really makes the bombers what what it is yeah no i appreciate you asking the question because because uh, it's important that i make sure we talk about them you know uh, over the years there's been so many good people that have come through our program and then have, have moved on and they all played a, a really significant role and when you were, when you have something that's over twenty years old, you know you'd be screwing up if you forgot to mention this person or that person. What I will talk about is where we're at today and what really I'm really excited about. We have fourteen full time employees that work for the Bombers, and I'm so proud of that, man. Like there's fourteen people that make a living doing softball, and you know in our sport we get we get criticized for that. Hey, you're you're turning it into a business. You're like you're you're this and that. And Tony Rico, good friend of both ours, um, when I 
when I was really struggling with how to manage this a little bit, I reached out to him and I tell the story about the very first time I met Tony, I walked up to him like, like he was a rock star at a bar. Like he was, we were playing in, in Reno and Mr. Rico. Hi, how are you? My name is Scott Smith. Like it's so corny now. That's literally how it went. (laughs) And you know, Tony, he's got his legs crossed like this and he, you know, he's sitting there and like the only thing he didn't have was a ring that I could kiss at that time. Right. But but I, I remember reaching out to Tony and meeting him and him sharing to me like, hey, you know, Scott, like never be, you know, never feel bad about giving people something better. Right. Like never feel bad about that. And I that stuck with me. And so I I tell people all the time, Bombers Fast Pitch is a business. It is a company that is a for profit business. And my responsibility is to my customers and our customers are our parents and they get to hold me accountable. Right. And that's to me, that's powerful. It, it puts everybody on 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 notice. Right. To, to be responsible for what you're supposed to do. And um, so with that being said, we built we built it in a way where it's 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 successful. And I'm excited that that there's 14 people that get to wake up every day and do softball. And so you got people like Christy Malpass is our youth coordinator. Uh, in our academy, she runs our 14-year program. She just won the Alliance National Championship last year. I'm so proud of her. Like, we've been in a process of mentoring her for the last few years. Now, now she's mentoring people, right? Like, it's so cool. But, you know, Kat Osherman, responsible for our pitching performance. And a gentleman named Bobby Buchanan, who's responsible for our player performance. And David McCorkle, who basically, he's he's the master of all things organizational, right? Which I'm not. And so I think you, that's a key, I think, is surround your people with people that are better at things than you, which it ain't real hard to be better than me at something. I can promise you that. Um, but I've been able to focus my attention to what we do on the field. And, um, you know, so in about, like I said, I tell the story about, about seven years ago, we created a minor league system, like a minor league baseball model inside of our program. And our academy represents that now. And so our, we have kids inside our program that are trying to get in our academy. When they get in there, man, it's a really systematic process. And we're having some huge successes uh, at the collegiate level with our freshmen when they're getting there. Like, that's been so significant for us. And so what what we're doing, I think, is working pretty well because of the people we have involved. And I, I like I said, I'd be messed up if I – because I've forgotten eight to ten people that I should have mentioned right there. But, you know, Dale Siri, Rodney Williams – JT Mark, like there's so many people, man, that I that I need to be talking about. Chuck Peters, those kind of people that just have a significant influence on in what we do every day. I want to pause for a minute to tell you about the Alliance Fast Pitch. The Alliance Fast Pitch is a national league system for amateur softball. I like to think of us as the pathway to play and the pathway to develop. If you're a youth softball coach or parent of a youth softball player, we know at the end of the day, you just want what's best for your daughter. But sometimes it's hard to figure out where to go or where to start. We're here to help you with that and to make your job easier. Softball is an important part of your life, but it's only a small part of your life. Think of the Alliance Fast Pitch as your one-stop shop for everything. Build your fall, spring, summer scheduled tournaments inside your region. Compete on a level playing field to earn your national championship berth. Join a community of fellow youth softball coaches, parents, and athletes. Check out our national leaderboards for all ages. Understand where your daughter stacks up compared to her peers inside a region or even nationally. Help your daughter get recognized nationally through our player recognition programs and get access to all of the discounts and benefits of being an annual Alliance member. We brought the best in the industry into one home. 
so we can provide softball families with access to the best resources at a more affordable price. We built the Alliance Fast Pitch on two principles, collaboration and putting the athlete first. Together, we can grow. Together, we can do better for our athletes. Be a part of the fastest growing softball community. We're here to make your life easier and your experience in softball better. Join us today. Join the Alliance Fast Pitch by going to theallianceFastPitch.com and follow us on all of our social media platforms. I think it's a really important in business in general, right? Of surrounding yourself with, with great people. I, I watch what you guys are doing honestly and, and learn there. You said something interesting. I'm going to go off because on the academy side of it, you and I follow a lot of European soccer and look at the way that they're doing things. I just listened to something yesterday about league one volleyball and what they're doing on the professional side. Um, and they're kind of following that model and they're building it through their club system uh, in volleyball. But what are your thoughts around that? Have you ever thought about, you know, building, cause you and I are passionate about professional softball um, of actually kind of filtering through clubs, academies, and eventually one day at the, at the professional level. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a closet soccer fan. I used to make fun of people who watch soccer and, and uh, I don't watch a lot of soccer. Let's slow down. I, I'm very, uh, I'm very interested in the way they approach player development and the way that they go about that. Um, I watched a documentary on Man City, uh, Manchester City soccer, and I was just astonished. I literally was blown away at the organizational structure they had, uh, the way that kids get into that academy, that youth academy, and work their way up to the professional ranks. And and when you, when you have that system, I think, when you have that system and you can pinpoint steps along the way in the development, say, hey, by this point, this player has to be at this level. And if they aren't, we have failed between here and here. Now we can address how good are we good of a job are we doing? Do we need to get someone else involved in helping that? Do we have too many players? Do we is our approach wrong? Like so many times that gets lost, right? Because all we're thinking about is the end game. And I think if you just take our sport in general, that may be what's causing us some problems, right? Is we're just thinking about the end game in a lot of ways. And right now in our it's sad to say, but in our sport, most of the end game is college for most players. And I'm, uh, you know, I, I love what Mike always says, and he said it on the podcast you had with him is, you know, our athletes get told when they get, have to stop, you know, and male athletes don't have an end date. They get to kind of decide it based on their talent, right? If, if they've got enough talent, they continue to play where we really struggle with that. So, I think sometimes we, we focus on that. And I think kids start the process of focusing on getting a college scholarship. They don't spend a lot of time in that development side. Um, we pushed our chips all in on it. Like I literally restructured and we That's how we built the academies. I just, I looked at Manchester city, Leeds United, Tottenham Spurs. I like, like I have studied everything that they've done. Uh, Barcelona, the Venezuelan soccer team, the Brazilian soccer team, like literally it's a joke how much soccer, research I've done. Um, but when we created our academy, I can't tell you the, the what's happened from a success standpoint, from a player development side. Um, I had to figure out a way to try to figure out a way to compete with the Mikes and the Tonys and the Martys and the, and the, those guys around the country. And um, fortunate for us, it's, it's, it's having results, but I think on the, on the pro side of things and like where our sport is, I would love to see, and I know you've got some passion centered around that, Jamie, with the structure of, you know, League One and 
and where you have the rec program feeds into this and the, then the, the select program feeds into maybe an advanced level and the advanced level feeds into some, some form of a pro level. We lack structure. And I, and I would say that that's what at the Alliance, I know that's what you're passionate about is bringing some structure to, to what the sport is and where it lacks. And, and I know that what we, that's what we have in our AFCS system and our points. And so I don't think I have all the answers. I just know this, the, the model that we've created has had a significant effect on what we're doing. Well, you're somebody that has spent time at the professional level with the, the NPF as both a, a coach and, and a general manager. How did your time there impact what you do and what you brought back to the youth game and now what you're even doing too, to, like with the Alliance and everything else to help build the, the foundation? How did that impact you? Yeah, no, man, I, I'm I'm blessed. Like I got to spend time on the field, you know, a couple of years with some of the best players in the world. Uh, you know, the Haley McClinnies and and people like that, and and uh, Lauren Hagers, and you know, I I knew they were good. I didn't know they were that good. Like I didn't know those the the players were that good. Like what you see on television is one thing. When you get on the field with them, it's incredible. And it, it hurts my heart that they don't have the platform as professional athletes that they should. And that 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 is probably the most significant thing that I took away from it was how disappointed I am that this level of talent, this level of athlete um, does not have the same opportunities. And I hate getting into the, well, the females don't have these opportunities. And I think it's beyond that. I don't think there's people running around today at this point saying, hey, let's don't let female athletes su succeed here. I just think it's been the norm that we haven't done it for so long that no one really has figured out or taken the time to do it. And that's what I believe. Now, I don't, people don't have to agree with me on that, but I don't think there's people sitting around the room going, let's stifle female athletes' opportunities. I don't think that that's what they're doing. I just don't think that because you see so many successes. Look at what LSU basketball and those guys are doing. Like once people got on board, with what they're doing, they, you have kids that don't even want to leave college. They're making $3 million in NIL. They don't even want to leave college. It's so good. But it wasn't that way two, three, four years ago. It's just starting to – it's just slow. And it, it frustrates me that, that that's not a thing because I'm so passionate about how good our, our product is, how good the, the players are. And I'm talking about – when I say when I say good, I mean obviously good on the field. I'm talking about good people. Right. Like it's sad that their story is not getting told the way it should about how good of people they are. Um, so, um, you know, it I, my biggest takeaway from that was just how cool it was to share the dugout. I, ne I tell the story all the time. I'll never forget standing on the rail with 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 Haley McClinney. We we're sitting there. We we're playing. There was a game going on. And she goes, Scott, watch this. She's going to throw a curveball. And I try to pick people all the time. <laughs> curveball. Hey, here comes the change. Change. I'm like, all I was watching superhuman athlete. I looked at her like, you know all that. She's like, watch. Her thumb's going to be below her belt loop. Like her thumb is going to be below her belt loop. Like I'm looking for the grip. She, she saw her thumb a quarter of an inch throw her below her belt loop. And when she does that, she throws a curveball. Like, come on, man. Like, how do you beat that kid? Like, how do you beat her? But you wonder why she's so good? That's why she's so good. She's just so good. They're all that way. It's, I have a similar experience being a player and just being surrounded by this talent that came from 
all kinds of different schools too. And it's like, wow, these people see the game in a certain way. And it, I mean, it made me better. It's fired me. Our product in softball is great. There's other things we, we got to get better at, but our, the product, the talent level is, and it's continuing to get better too, which is, which is exciting. I pray. I really, Jamie, I just pray. I keep thinking, I know I'm probably wrong about it, but I just keep, thinking that there's going to be somebody like Elon Musk or somebody, Mark Cuban or somebody that's just going to go, going to wake up one day and, you know what? You know what ain't right? How cool is that softball thing? Let's get, let's get a consortium of the smartest people in the room. Let's build a, let's build a pro league that, that people can get behind. I just keep thinking that's going to happen. And uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep hoping. Well, I'll hoping. tell you what, we're getting, we're getting into, we're in May, right? And it is on TV everywhere and people are watching. And I'm telling you, my thing is um, the athletes, like pro athlete investments into pro sports is a real thing now. So that'll, that'll be fun. And more and more, those players are having, having daughters too. I want to talk, um, because we're talking about the player development and you're like our in-house data guy, right? Which I know you're going to laugh at, but because you've spent a lot of time researching it and getting to understand because of what that goes into player development and it's coming actually it's here data and technology and softball is here and it's continuing to grow. One of the things we did with that is, is our stars of tomorrow series. And you and I could sit here and, and nerd out all day and talk about what that is, but what kind of give the backstory of why you think something like a, a Stars of Tomorrow series, like data for youth players. Why is that important for the for the future of our game? You know, like the the data the data capture itself is not new. Like a lot of people don't realize we've been capturing data for years, right? It's called a you know pocket radar, a radar gun. You know, we were capturing data for years. We just you know we didn't quite. All we knew was what it said. We really didn't know how to turn it into action. Um. And I think that that's what's unique is like a lot of people are hesitant to go down that path of data capture and how it's going to play a role in our, our development of players or, or our, you know, the recruiting process, evaluation. Um, I read two significant books and I don't read. Well, let me just let me back this up. I did not read two significant books. I listened to two significant books, right? Let me be very clear. I don't because as soon as somebody hears that I read, they're gonna be like, dude, you didn't read anything. Um, but I listened to two significant books, and one was Astro Ball and the other one was MVP Machine. And those are two really good. If you are a reader, get those two books and read them. If this is has you had any interest in where the sport of baseball has gone, the data capture, how it's its role in player development, etc. Um and those two books really kind of made me sit back and went, wait, we ain't even doing anything like that in softball. Like nothing. Like we're not doing anything close to this. And most people think of Moneyball, right? They think of Moneyball and they think that's the that's how it's done. Well, all Moneyball was doing was the value of a player, right? How to come up with a, a dollar amount on when you're building your roster and say, hey, we have X number of dollars. How do we maximize that? Who do we spend it on and why? How many wins would it equate to? Right? That was Moneyball. Astro Ball was how the Astros went from a 100-loss team to what you see today. Right? To what you see today. And what they what they did was is they put statistical valuations on things that produced wins. 
And now you can go to Baseball Savant. If you get on Baseball Savant, which is a website, you'll see a, a million different analytical statistical categories that are somebody in baseball is sitting back and valuing, right? Well, in softball, we didn't, we never put that, we never placed a value on things, right? We just didn't do it. We didn't, we placed a value on what our eyes saw, right? And if I was just speaking for the Bombers, we got it right a lot. I don't know how often we didn't get it right. And that's the problem. I don't know how often I didn't get it right. How many players over the years did I not put on my team that could have helped us win? Right? I, I can't I can't measure it. Like, I just couldn't do it. Well, now, like, a lot of people are shocked, right? Like, our 18U team has played for the national championship the last couple of years. Our 14 under team won the national championship last year. That has been a byproduct of the last four years for us in getting right – who we have in our academy, what teams they're on, and how fast we get them to my 18U team. In some cases, we moved them too soon. Some cases, we moved them too 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 late. That's the major leagues. That's how they and they use that those measurement instruments to do that. I think if you shuttle it down into our sport today, if we took certain things and value and created a value structure to them, which is what is happening with the stars of tomorrow. Right, we have placed statistical valuations on parts of a player, whether it's cognitive, whether it's physical, whether it's a scout's. We still we don't want to lose this part, right? Like this part really does. This part and this part really do matter. But this is all we've used over time, right? We haven't used any other factor other than hey, there's a radar gun that throws 65. That's got to be good. Well, what if it's 65 and straight? Yep. What if it never moves? Like you're just matching up barrels with some of the best hitters in the country and you can't figure out why this kid who throws 65 just gets tanked all the time. We didn't know those things. We just saw 65, put her on the team. We don't do that anymore. For the Bombers, we don't do that anymore. And so I would, that's what I love about Stars of Tomorrow and Yacker Tech. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm part of a group uh, as part of Yacker Tech and Yacker Tech is the most significant data capture device that exists anywhere in our sport because it's optical tracking and it's full optical tracking. And that's the cool part about it. It's not predictive, right? It's not like, well, it starts here. So we're predicting it's going to do this, right? Um, it's true data and uh, softball cloud enables us to produce that product after the fact and then turn it into action, whether that's player development action or whether that's recruiting information for a college and so Stars of Tomorrow, uh, that's why I'm so fired up about them. Stars of Tomorrow blends all of those things together, right? It, it brings the scout involved. It brings the cognitive analysis with S2. It brings the visual edge from the screening of your, your visual, visual abilities. We have the, the athletic testing, you know, all the normal stuff, running the 60, grip strength, all the different things. And then the the defensive and offensive evaluations, and then the data capture. All that rolled into one, we get a score, and now that score is what we have to decide what matters. And we're having college coaches now, their involvement is helping us establish what matters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I'll use it as an example of exit velocity. I get asked this a lot. Like, what's a good exit velocity? You'd ask me, you'd ask me two years ago, three years ago, I'd have said, hey, if you're 70 exit below, that's really, really good. Now, 
if you're near, if you're closer to 80, you're really, really good, right? We didn't know 80 was really, really good. We were, there was just, we had so little data captured that we didn't have enough 77, 78s, 79s to make 70 good, not great. We, we, we tagged that as great two or three years ago. Now we've captured so much data that we have kids going out and they're put they're pulling off 78, 79. So to me, it's like major league baseball. Back in the day, you threw 90, you were the real deal. You know, you were the absolute real deal. Um, now, how many guys throw 100, right? And that the, the bar is getting, so the sport's getting better. And so I think that's what's going to happen for the recruiting side of the collegiate side. And I get a chance to talk to coaches all the time, and I, I talk about JT Gasso, and I were talking about just S2 in general. We're just talking about a cognitive assessment um, and how he, you know, he had a, an incoming player that wanted to do certain things with her swing. And once they did the cognitive assessment, he realized we can't do what you want to do. I would have done it. He's like, I would have done that. I would have messed her up, but I didn't know it because we had never kept, we'd just been seeing it with our eyes. So, so much of the data, I get passionate about it. I get fired up. I start talking really fast. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that. Well, you, I was going to ask you, college coaches right because now college coaches are using it right there's there's yakker tech systems going into college stadiums today right they've been going in for the past couple years s2 cognition the college programs are using this they've they've been using different reps soto they've been using different capture but now it's trickling down into youth because these college coaches want to know what is this kid coming in with? And now we can actually measure certain things that we didn't even know we could measure, like their cognition or like what the ball was doing after left the bat. But you're somebody specifically that talks to college coaches about your players. What are they what are they asking you in regards to data and what kind of data are they they wanting to see? It varies quite a bit. Um, you know, they're they're asking for things. Um, it varies from things such as exit velocity. I mean, it can get as simple as that. Like, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you some uh, examples. There are certain launch angles, and a lot of people talk about the launch angle swing. There are certain launch angles that the Astros value that if you play X position, right, you play this position, your launch angle cannot be below this, right? Because you it won't play at that level, right? It just won't play at the major league level. Why would we draft this guy when – when this position that we need to get X value out of does this, but they don't reach those numbers, right? Well, you ask yourself from a college coach, from a college standpoint, how do I win more games, right? How do I win more games? Well, what do I value? What is our, what is our value system, right? What do, I, what do I establish that's important to me? So the question is really hard to answer, ask, answer, right? There's certain coaches I talk to that value X and velocity, but certainly on the pitching side, they value spin rate. They value, they value certain things. Now, I get a lot of coaches who have done, immersed themselves induced vertical break. Not just vertical break, induced vertical break. There's a difference, right? Um, maybe they want somebody that's east-west with a lot of glove side run, right? Like, hey, we, we, we just need – we're weaker on this side of the field. I don't want to have to throw middle end all these guys, and I'm, we're not – for the next couple of years who I have playing here, this doesn't work. Right. For us, we're not very good defensively on this side of the field. So, you know, each school, each coach, each person is valuing different metrics. 
And so there is no end all be all about what is the, the exact, right? Um, I think that's the cool part. I think that's why I, I keep going back to stars tomorrow. I think that's why the stars tomorrow is so good because we have so many different layers to that evaluation. And a college coach gets an analyzer report with all of this information and they get to hone in on what they're particular about. Right. And, you know, I, I, I use the example um, that um, the Astros are like, there's certain things you just can't come up through their system. You don't go from double A to triple A or high A to, to double if you haven't met these thresholds. Well, that's the, the message I took back to the Bombers. Like we're not like you're not moving. You're not going on from 10 to 12 if you can't play catch. Like, we're going to evaluate, can these kids play catch? And we're going to do it before they turn 12, right? Like, that's that's an example of our most simple thing down there. If you can't play catch by the time I'm sending you 12 to 12 you, I have messed up. And we need to take a hard look at that. So that's a metric. That's a simple thing that we're saying, like, I'm measuring that at that age division. That's important. Well, I'm glad you brought it back because you know, right, people are going to listen to this like, well, shoot, I got to go get my exit velocity of this, and I got to get my in-game data, and, like, where do I even go to get that? So bringing it back to the most simple level in youth softball, and if I'm a player now, I'm, I'm getting into high school, and I'm really serious about my numbers um, and getting recruited, where the heck do I even go? And and what does that mean? Like at, at the most elementary level, how can I just get started and starting to understand what my numbers are and, and how that compares? Yeah, I, I, I would, and this is my my plug for Pocket Radar. Like, like the most simple, most economical way to do, to do it now is to get a pocket radar um, and set it up on a tripod when you're hitting, right? Like just set it up and take swings off of it and set a benchmark, right? Set a baseline, right? We say, hey, when I'm hitting off a tee, uh, we, do an, we do an assessment. Like you come to our performance lab, one of the first things we do, we do assessment is your, your exit velocity to all fields, Right. We want to know what your exit velocity is to the pull side, what your exit velocity is for center cut, middle, middle, and what your exit velocity is for hard away. And we'll establish some, that, that will define some things, right? Like that'll be like, hey, you're, you drop off 12 miles an hour in exit velocity on outer half. Your simple day one start is we're, we're not hunting away. Like you've got to have two strikes before you're ever sitting middle away, right? We're going to hunt middle in. We're going to get our swing. Now, now we can start the conversation of point of contact. Okay, where does that need to happen, right, for you to max? Okay, so we'll start the T here. You hit off T, uh, your X velocity 64, right? If they're doing that with a pocket right, okay, let's move it six inches forward, okay? Take the same swing. Okay, your X velocity went to 69. Okay, so you're seeing that. The deeper you let the ball, the the, the, the more your X velocity gets cut off because your barrel's not getting a chance to build up. And I mean, simple, simple things could be evaluated from a, pocket radar and an iPhone, like literally set the iPhone up, put it on slow-mo and then take a look at your swings. Like when someone's throwing you front toss, how deep and put pieces of tape on the ground, how deep are you, are you letting it get past that? I mean, I'm talking about the simplest thing. We have technology that'll tell me exactly, but if you didn't have it, literally you could use a pocket radar and iPhone and some tape, like seriously. And you could maximize some exit velocity and and be like, I had no idea that if I let it travel another six inches, I was cutting off five miles an hour, right? And the difference between five miles an hour might be you have 65 mile an hour exit velocity, which you've got to do some really special things to hit a ball out of the ballpark at 65 miles an hour. It's just, it's just math. Whereas at 70 miles an hour, 
if I if my ball's elevated at least 24 degrees and not super more than that, it's out of the ballpark 100% of the time. Like that's the difference between gaining five miles an hour. And those are simple, simple things that a person could do with a pocket radar, a camera, and some piece of tape. I think this is a good time to tell you about Pocket Radar. Pocket Radar is the official radar technology partner of the Alliance Fast Pitch. Pocket Radar's technology is currently utilized by coaches at the highest levels of softball and by parents and players training in their backyards. Pocket Radar provides software and hardware solutions tailored for player development and recruiting. Pocket Radar's new app platform is a powerful tool for athletes looking to improve their game and have their metrics be seen by coaches across the country. We've used Pocket Radar in our own Stars of Tomorrow combines. And you know what's even better? Alliance coaches and families can get up to $150 off Pocket Radar Smart Coach and training bundles on various buy days. Or every Alliance coach is eligible for an annual discount through Pocket Radar. Learn more about our partnership with Pocket Radar and how you can receive an Alliance member discount by visiting our website, thealliancefastpitch.com, and clicking on Pocket Radar under the Partners tab. I love that. And it, you know, I, w- I heard something too of technologies becoming more portable and more affordable. So it, it's coming down, but at least to get started, right? Cause some of this stuff can, can get pretty expensive. This is my plug for stars of tomorrow because we're offering all that data that's inside college campuses that I, you and I can't afford, right? But a college campus has those tools and for a, a cheap amount, you can come as a player and get all of that data, which is what I think is incredible about what we're doing in a one-stop shop. You get all of this data that you can then send to college coaches. But Scott, I want to tell the world because it's not, it hasn't happened yet. Right. But there's a, there's an end game to the stars of tomorrow that we've been working on with athletes unlimited and if you go through the combine and you happen to have uh, some of the top scores and the scouts are like, Hey, that's a can't miss kid. And based on your positions, we're putting teams together. There's 60 players in Athletes Unlimited. So 60 kids in each age group are going to come to AU for a four-day event. And again, it hasn't happened before. But I know I'm fired up of what these kids are going to get to go through just by going to a combine, getting their data, performing. And now there's this end game that's going to be, I think, different than anything we've had at, at, at the youth level. But what are that's my excitement. What's your excitement on the Stars of Tomorrow games? Well, I mean, just think, Jamie, how credible it is. We just talked about getting to share the dugout with Hayden McClinney, right? Like how what how powerful that was for me. Well, what's it going to be like for these 60 players to go spend time with Sis Bates and Hayden McClinney and Alyssa Denham and uh, I go on and on and on. All that, that, Like they get to interact. They get to pick the brain of those players. They get to, to, to have them around and share experiences and see them play and give advice and like – that's just the cool part, right? That's not mentioning, that's not taking in the fact they're getting to play on the same field that Athletes Unlimited plays in the same format to help define maybe who's the best 2024, 2026, 2025 in America. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a powerful advantage for them in the recruiting process. And I'm sure, pretty sure it's going to be a powerful addition for even like the 24s who are done for the most part, seeing where they they compare to the best players in the country. If probably if they're one of the top 60 in the country, they're pretty competitive and they want to see like, where do I rank? And what do my numbers mean to me? And how can I have it springboard me into college softball? It's like I said, it's such a cool thing. I'm, I'm so proud of what we have put together for that. Um, 
I just think it's such a great opportunity for young athletes to get involved in. Um, you are literally going to walk away with a analyzer report that's going to have every evaluation we talked about, S2, visual edge, your athletic measuring, your scout score. There's an independent scout going to put their eyes on you and rank you. If I'm a college coach, that has not been available to me for the most part. For the most part. There's people out there that will tell you, hey, this kid's this. What do they back it up with, right? We're going to back it up with sheer factual data, and you're going to get a composite score. And that, that composite score at today may not have the same value structure that it's going to have two years now. We, that's what we have to establish. Um, but if I'm, a, if, I, if I'm a 2024, I want to be in this no matter what. I want to be a freshman All-American. I want to be a freshman All-American, and I want to surround myself with the best. With the best players, I want to I want to share the same air as the best players, the McClinneys, the Sis Bates of the world. I want to pick their brain. I want to become the next freshman All-American. And I cannot stress how much data has played a role in where our sport's going. I literally just came back from Oklahoma City. A Yakutech was getting installed in Oklahoma City, the Hall of Fame Stadium, um, yesterday. I mean, that it's going to be in the World Series. I mean, like, just think about that. That's cool. That's what... You know, it does, it kind of drives me, it makes me mad a little bit when I hear, well, my 2024s are already committed. Why would they go to this? And I'm like, man, I was there. I am probably the most competitive person and put me on that same field. I don't care if I was already committed to, to and put me on that field because I, I that's going to make me better too, just by being around my peers and getting the opportunity to be around these pros. Well, and Jamie, think about this, our, our sport, I hate seeing it. We're five to 10 years behind baseball, right? Baseball at the highest levels of travel baseball has been putting together the best talent, Erico games, you know, perfect game in, in game. They have, you know, all these different things they've been putting to get together the best players in America to compete against each other. One to put, to put on an incredible show for people to see. And I mean, to show the world what, how good that sport is, but at the same time, to increase their value in, in the sport that they play, right? And for them, there's a draft value for them. For us, I look at it and go, you want to build your brand? You want to make your mark? Do it on television at, 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 the, at the Stars of Tomorrow games alongside the Athletes Unlimited players and start to build your brand to the level it's capable of becoming. You know, I use someone like like a, 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 my, a freshman of mine that I'm so, I'm so proud of all my freshmen because – it validated what we did five years ago when we built the academy. We pushed all in on the, on the data, and we just kept pushing them to continue to tweak and get better. It's like having a dragster. Yeah, you go fast. You're good. You want to go faster? Let's go faster, right? Do we even know how fast you can go? Now we've got kids who are, you know, on the top 25 watch list of the first. Bombers never had that. We weren't doing a good enough job. Like, I have to admit that. But when we did that, like, like our players are just primed for that success day one. Well, if I'm a 24 out in the country, I don't want to stop with where I, okay, so I committed to play at XYZ school. I got it. I got it. So did a bunch of other people. Now what? Right? Now what? What are you going to do with it? You going to get better? You going to compete against the best? You going you going to position yourself so that some business wants to in, invest in you from an NIL deal? Are you going to continue to build your brand? Are you going to talk to people that want to that are doing that now and can, give you insight to that like there's so many aspects to your game if we get to the point where we just commit and say then why what do i need to do that for good luck 
you know, good luck. That, that's the best I can tell them. Like, good luck to see how that works out, man. Like, you've got kids who aren't doing that. You know, you just they just aren't. And um, I think that's how we, when I said we're five, ten years behind baseball, we've got to play catch up. We've got to take our sport up. If we're going to go back to what we said, we want somebody that could have influence in creating a pro league. we got to make our statement to them. We have to say to them, this is why. This is why. And I, I you know, and, I, and I, it's a very slippery slope. But if every summer we put Little League Softball, the Little League World Series on TV, and the, the general consensus of influencers and business people, and they think that's what softball, that's the top of the food chain when it comes to softball. We're, I, I love that those young ladies get to have that experience, but that can't be the, the end-all, be-all for what people see about where I would invest money in this sport, right? It can't be. It's why the Little League World Series at the youth level in baseball is not the end-all, be-all. There are other things out there that make people sit back and go, man, that guy, Drew Gilbert, that was a PG All-American or he was, you know, USA Baseball or an Eric Cook game guy, that guy's one of the best in the country. That's why he's going to go to LSU and that's why he's going to get drafted number one. He's been building that that process along the way for the last handful of years. Well, it's a perfect, uh, I was going to have you close with combining all things and all hats that you wear from the, the Bombers, Prospect Wire, Texas Fast Pitch League, Alliance, everything that we're doing on the the data, the, the technology side, what do you want to see for the future of softball and how does the Alliance fast pitch fit into that picture? The most simple answer to that is I want to see the sport keep going forward, right? I think we are going forward. Let me just, let me just say that. It's not like we're in a bad place, but we have so much more to do. Um, you know, there's so much more to accomplish. I love with what the Alliance has done in creating a structure. Our sport was fragmented in so many different ways and still still kind of is you know a little bit I, it is what it is but we put some structure in there to where teams could understand a path right and, I, and you talk about excuse me you talk about this a lot the life cycle of a player right I, I'd love for us to continue to uh, to build on that ecosystem of a player becomes a member of the alliance at a, at a young age and and what that becomes is just a pathway and a journey to going from point A to point B. And a lot of times parents don't know what that roadmap looks like. And I think if we can continue to do that, I think the sport's going to, the softball part, the on the field stuff is going to take care of itself. I think the inclusion of data and capture and analytics and valuing things and us establishing what that value system looks like, which doesn't exist for the most part, um, I think it's important for us to continue to establish that. Um, so when you take the structure and you take the, the, the process of saying, we're going to make this important, we're going to capture the in-game data, big difference. What I described in sitting there with a pocket radar off the tee, that's one thing. How does it translate to a game? It's a whole different story. And so in-game data, that's where Yacker Tech and Softball Cloud and those guys really kind of play a huge role. Um, in being able to be able to share that with college coaches. So I think if we just can continue to, to tell that story and paint that picture and educate and, and put people in a, in an opportunity that they can experience of all, all that, I think that's what the Alliance is committed to. You know, our, our, our plug about the Alliance is, is passionate because I know that's what the goal is, right? Is to create an environment that gives a pe people a pathway and in that pathway, this, this, and this take place that hopefully help you? Does it help you become a better player, a better person, better athlete, 
better recruited, better prepared and developed for college. Like all those blocks have to get checked. And I love the fact that the alliances prioritize those things. Um, we could make it about just our national championship. We could, we could spend every moment we got just on that. We have a really good one. Like I really love our, I love our format. I love everything that we do, but I tell people all the time, think of what we could achieve if that's all we did was put to put on a national championship. And I want you to think about all the smart people in the room and all the resources we have. What would our national tournament look like if that's all we cared about was coming to our, come to our nationals, come to our nationals. That's a culmination of a, of a big ecosystem. Right. And, I think that's important for us to always remind ourselves is that it's as important as our national tournaments are because you have to validate yourself. You have to. This process requires it. Um, we can't get lost in the ingredients to get to that point. And I think we, we, got, we need to make sure that we remember the ingredients it takes to bake a good cake. I like that. I like that. Irma would be proud. Your wife would be proud of you with that last day. I don't cook. <laughs> I mean, I can't bake a cake. So. <laughs> Rapid fire, first name that, that comes to mind or, or first uh, answer that comes to mind. I want to close it out with this. Greatest Bombers team of all time. It's going to be a cop-out, but I'm going to say the last two, right? Like, I don't know who would win the game. I truly don't know who would win that game. I don't I don't know. It'd be it'd be a tough one. That's fair. It'd be, 18 to, it'd be 18 to 17, I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, come on. You had some really good pitchers in there. We we did, but uh, I don't. There's I didn't have enough of them to hold hold back hold back all that offense we had. But yeah, like the, the last two couple teams, Jamie were just so special. Um, they were a culmination of what we talked about that we had been building over the last four or five years. And uh, yeah, that had been a fun game to watch. I I would watch that most athletic player you've ever coached. Mia Scott. It's it's easy. It's it's Mia Scott. Like, and the sad part is, is Scotty like just rolls out of bed. She's looking for both socks. Like one, like this is true statement. One will be right there in the sock drawer. The other one will be behind the TV. Once she figures out where her socks are, she's going to put her shoes on. She's going to outrun you. Like you're hooked to a stump. I mean, like, like she's that fast, but she's the most gifted athletic kid. Like, like God granted her a lot of. A lot of benefits uh, with her. Now, don't misunderstand me. She does work hard, but she's so gifted, man. Like, I think you remember we laughed about it. Like, she plays the game. The game's easy for her. And I, I, I laugh about when she got in that rundown against UCLA at the World Series, and she's laughing, and she's smiling. And then she's safe. You know, like, like, <laughs> like she's laughing in between the rundown at the World Series. Like, it's your first World Series ever. And she's in a rundown between home and third laughing at them. And then and she wasn't laughing at them, but she was laughing that she was in that. And, and probably knew, like, I'm going to be safe. Y'all can throw this thing back and forth, but I'm about to be safe. Watch. I'll tell you a fun race. And they're probably, like, different races, whether it's 100, a 60, a 200. Mia Davis, Caden Henry, Mia Scott. <sighs> That's some speed yeah. right there. <laughs> I used to tell people. I used to tell people all the time, man, y'all want to have a travel ball sprint relay. I got some we could throw out there. I bet we win. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that would be a race. It In a 60-footer, like just 60-foot home to first, my Davis wins that probably easy. The home-to-home, -home, man, 
they're they're probably tripping each other. They're trying to trip each other because they're neck and neck, right? They're they're trying to to kick each other's heels and knock each other because it's going to be neck and neck. Caden um, Henry just ran the eighth fastest two hundred meters in America. Um, is she a softball player? Like like that? Just think about that for a second. Like she fast. She's fast. She fast. What about the most yeah. challenging player you've ever coached? Probably Leanne Good. To be honest with you, uh, I saw Leanne when she was 12. I literally walked up to her mom and said, hey, I really like her wear black one day. She wasn't a bomber at 12 years old. And her mom said, oh, she's going to be a bomber. Like, we've just been trying to figure out when was the right time to come. And I said, well, now's as good a time as any. And uh, she came over when she was 13 years old, about to be 14. And she cried about everything. Like, she got so mad at herself. Like, Jamie. Like, to the point I have to kick her out of the dugout. Like, get out. Like, go. Go sit with your mom. She's got the toilet paper and the tissues, the cleaning nose, the snotty nose. Like, she gets so mad. But it wasn't, like, boo-hoo tears. It was like she didn't know how to channel what she was. And if you're watching softball now, you're watching what she is. Like, she's as good a freshman as there is in America. Um, But she was very challenging because we had to – we had to spend so much time developing dual things at one time. And I, there were times I would pull her out of the game. There were times I, I literally, I'll never forget, I was at A&M and at, at our exposure weekend. I kicked her out of the dugout. Go sit with your mom. Like, I'm tired. Of, like, she was 16 years old. Like, I'm tired of dealing with this mess, Goody. And I was like, Goody, you realize you go, you play at Texas. They have this thing called the LHN, the Longhorn Network. Like, they will put the camera on your face and the faces you make right? And the way you handle adversity. And I think it finally resonated with her a little bit. And it's incredible to watch her now. It's incredible, man. Like it's incredible. Like she looks like she's a senior in college playing softball and it was a hard road. Like she was very challenging because you wanted to shake her. Like, like you're so good. Stop this. And I think that goes for a lot of our players. I tell that story with a lot of our players. Shelby Sinceri was very similar she was very similar to Leanne Good in this. She was so hard on herself. And, you know, we talk about that and how, and, and just reminding them, give yourself permission to fail. Like, give yourself that permission. If I'm willing to do it, let yourself do it, right? Do I want you to fail over and over again? No, we'll address that. But give yourself permission to do it. Um, and for Goody to be doing what she is, just let you know, like, she got there. Like, she good. I can relate to that. I think that was me as a as a kid for sure. What about and you can answer this um, whatever comes to mind. But the, one of the biggest surprises or, or most surprising player that you've coached. The reason she's on my mind is I just saw she's she's at she's at the end. She's a senior and uh, a kid named Peyton Jackson. She's playing at Missouri right now and uh, starting playing and. I remember her in the recruiting process, she played on a really good team, one that had Georgia Clark, Shelby Sinceri, Kyla Naomi, like like really good players on that team. She got overlooked. No one was really recruiting her. And I'm walking around the ballpark trying to give her away. Like, just take her, please. Like, she's really, really good. You guys are messing up. And, and college coaches, I was like, hey, we got no money. We can't do this. And literally, she went to Texas Tech and walked on and built her. Like, she just stayed in the grind. Like, she just stayed in the grind. And so when I say surprising, it's not surprising to me, I guess. I think it's probably surprising to the outside world. Like, whoa, Peyton Jackson. She ended up 
going to Tech and then now transitioned over to Missouri and played her last couple of years at Missouri. She plays in the SEC. She's starting. She's going to play next week in the SEC tournament. Like, and nobody wanted her, right? You know, Jessica Mullins is the same way at Texas State. Like, both those players are probably the two that jump out to me the most is that it it's not surprising to me, but I think it's surprising in the context of it all that, that the world ought to be sitting back kicking themselves like, God. How did I not recruit either of those kids? Like, what was I doing? That's exactly why I ask it and let it go go wherever. What about uh, a, a non-bomber? Who Who's one of the most talented players at the travel ball level? Take out their, their college career, but at the travel ball, who's one of the toughest that you've coached against? You're going to make me relive this. You're <laughs> going to do know it. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Oh, it's it's Erickson. That, that played for Jossie Erickson that played for, for Mike last year. Uh, you know, she's at OU uh, doing what she does, just demolishing softballs. Um, but she's so good. Like, she's one of the best players in America um, at any level. Like, I, I, we handled her. Like, going into that national championship series, she didn't have a hit. Like, we were on cloud nine. And then I think she had nine RBIs with two home runs and four doubles and like in the two biggest games of the year. Like she was like playing with us. And then to the point where like we couldn't even walk her. Like they just had people all over the bases and yeah, grand slam. Like it's just like she was so good and the adjustments that she and Mike and those guys that over there made. Um, I had as disappointed as I was that day for us to fall short. Um I was proud of what she did and what they did. Um, it's a testament to how good they were and how good he is and how good the coaches he has on his staff are and really how good she is. Um, they had a lot of good players that day, but she single-handedly demolished us that day. And I haven't been single-handedly demolished by one player in a long time. It could have gone multiple ways. There's a lot of good players, even in the Texas area, but you're right. Jocelyn Erickson's performance at the AFCS last yeah. year was, was pretty impressive. Bailey Quinn, Bailey Klingler's another, like, she's another one that I just am in awe of, right? Like, I played against her coming up, like, she played here in Texas, and how cool is it to watch what her career has become, and um, she's not a player that I had the privilege of coaching. I did with Team Alliance that one time, and just getting to share the dugout with her, you can figure out pretty quick why she's so good. She's good. Yeah, she's good. Well, I want to end it with this one. So when I was playing, when I was growing up in, in Texas, like Bailey, I played for Impact Gold. And that we had like Missouri City Magic and the Houston Power and the Katie Cruisers, teams that I don't think really exist anymore. Now it's the Glory, the Bombers, the Blaze, the Hot Shots, still Impact. But if we went back to 2003, 2004, what Texas team – actually, no, so Jamie today, like what Texas team do you think I would best fit on? Jamie, all you, I, I, you ask this question all the time. It's a joke. You'd be a bomber. Like, yeah, stop. Why would I be a bomber? You appease. You would have one. We play. We're in college station all the time, right? Like, you know, that's like our hub. Okay. One that makes us cool, cooler than any other person. You ask that. We know where the Dixie Chicken is, <laughs> right? We know where Chicken Oil was, right? We like stop. Like, you can ask that question a hundred more times. You and I both know that you'd be a bomber. Like we're hard nosed. We play fast. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna plant my stake in the ground 
that Jamie Lowe Price would have flourished being a bomb, being a bomber. No question. God, I wore blue. No question. I wore blue today for you. And I, you know what? Look good. I own a bomber shirt. I got to get on jazz. Cause I don't have an impact gold shirt. Like what the heck jazz? I got to keep it that way. Keep it that way. <laughs> what you talking about? No. Yeah. You should make jazz give you. She's got a couple shirts to give. She's got a little bit. Um, no, you'd have been a bomber. You, you without question, like we're hard nosed. We listen to Cole Wetzel in our, in our warm up. Little Morgan, like no, that's not even question. <laughs> right, we don't eat an In and Out burger. Like you can ask those guys, like you ain't eating no In and Out burger. Stop, stop. I love you know it. it's water burger, and that's it. I'm gonna continue asking this question because I because I love it. It's fun. You can ask it a thousand more times. Every time I watch this podcast and I hear you ask that question, I'm like, no, turn it, not, turn it, no. Up. Stop. Well, Scott, I appreciate Stop. it. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. And I I want to say this too, but I, I you're a big part of why the Alliance Fast Pitch even exists. Um, and your vision and and your just everything that we've gone through um, in these three years. It's been a lot of fun, and I I look forward to uh, what's next. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying the car ride home podcast. Hopefully, we're filling the air and making your car ride home a little bit more enjoyable. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube, and leave us a review. If you have any special guests or requests that you'd like to, to hear or have us bring a guest or a story onto the podcast, shoot us an email, info at the We'd love to hear from you. 